you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. singing under the anointing tonight. Amen, 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 amen. Sometimes I stop and pause for a moment when I begin to think about how incredibly blessed that I am. Is there anybody in the room tonight that understands when I say that God always exceeds my expectations? When I look around and just see what God is doing in this church, I'm in awe of what God is doing, what God is doing in some of your lives to see what God is doing is awesome. I'm in awe of what he is doing because he is an awesome, awesome God. I do feel that perhaps I may be the most blessed man in all the world, this wonderful church that I'm privileged to pastor. And to look around, I've got an incredible team that I get to work with week in and week out, all of our pastoral staff, all of our ministry team, and those that are doing a great job blessed to be able to serve in our district and this week it was an honor of mine to sit on the board and to make a motion to receive and grant ministerial license from the United Pentecostal Church to Brother Evan and Sister Raquel Gilliland. And congratulations to them. It was a great honor. A great honor and so very deserving. It's just a privilege to be able to serve with a great team of people. Our pastoral staff this week, I was busy, and they all stepped up. Hospital visitations, phone calls, connections, meals, and I appreciate them all so very much. And to look and 
to see what God has done in, in the life of my wife and her health and her strength and her being able to, to function. I think Sister Cheryl Lytle said it right maybe a year or two ago when she was at her weakest point. And she, she said to me, I think maybe even in a staff meeting, and she said, we never realized how much Sister Jordan did and the impact that she has in this church until she was unable to do it. And I'm glad that God has granted her the ability to be back. We, she is as strong as ever and more powerful than ever. She served the devil notice when she went into it. And now she's out the other side of it determined. And that's such a blessing of the Lord. And then to not have one or two, but to have three sons that are all carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those of you that don't know, I'm just a little bit proud of my family. And if you want to crucify me for using the word proud, go ahead, because I probably deserve it. I have to humble myself once in a while. I'm so very thankful for what God is doing today. Gentry preached in Joliet, Illinois, powerful move of God. The altars full, people being baptized, receiving the Holy Ghost. And, of course, goodness gracious, Dylan um, is so incredibly talented and uh, isn't he? to this church and I thank God I thank God for he and Kayla when I'm just having a bad day all I need to do is be around Kayla and she makes me feel better about myself and then all of my daughter-in-law is wonderful and then Spencer and Caitlin and I wish Caitlin could have been here so I could have given her a hug but I was able to spend the day with Spencer today and drive him over. That's what happens when you get older, your hair turns gray. And so I was able to drive him over to the rock today and spend time with him. And I'm just so very thankful that I have three sons that are carrying this gospel. And, and the, the Bible is true in every aspect, but rem, I'm reminded today there's no greater joy just considered a high honor to be able to introduce him to come to this pulpit and to preach his heart. Did he not do a wonderful job this morning? Powerful move of the Lord. And one baptized in Jesus' name. No telling what God's going to do tonight. Would you welcome Brother Spencer Jordan as he comes to minister the word of the Lord. We love you. I love you. get that hand clap to the Lord tonight. We love you, Jesus. We worship
comments. He wrote it in my notes. She loves you and she misses you. And uh, the Lord's so good. The Lord is so good. There's been a beautiful, beautiful presence of the Lord all day long. This morning, this afternoon, at the Rock Apostolic, and, and tonight I'm looking forward to the Word of God. But I, I give honor tonight to my father and mother, Pastor and Sister Jordan, Pastor and Sister Lytle, Pastor Dylan, Sister Kayla, Pastor and Sister Newcomer. Does that cover all the pastoral leadership? Okay, all right. Um, no, Pastor and Sister Gilliland, youth pastor, and everybody's doing such a wonderful job. And uh, and it was exciting to see everybody today. Some things never change. And then on the opposite end of that, sometimes it feels like everything has changed. And um, there's such a beautiful familiarity and seeing everybody and seeing some things that are just constant. And then on the other hand, some of our young people have grown up so much, I don't even know who they are. And uh, But the Lord blessed us. And I've watched as families have grown, people have moved forward in life. God's done so many good things. And, and for that, we are very, very grateful. And so this morning, we, we got familiarized again because some, some I haven't seen since, since March of 2020. And so tonight we're going to have church because this morning we had to, I had to introduce myself again, but, but I think we can have a little church tonight and then we'll fellowship and have a good time after service, but I'm glad to see each of you. Let's go to the word of God. We're going to pull the gang back together tonight. We've got brother Isaac Sanchez on the front row. I'm going to get him on the organ if I have to. And Sister Hopper, I saw you. Cameron's not here, but he's here in spirit. Trying to pull the whole gang back together. Kind of a union. Amen. Let's, let's, let's go to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Matthew, the 22nd chapter and beginning at verse 1. Jesus answered and spake unto the, them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all the things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye find, bid to the marriage. So the servants went out to the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. 
And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. He saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. What a story. What an account that Jesus gives us in this parable. That, that there is a wedding and, and, and that we want to be ready for that wedding. We want to make sure that we, we have on a wedding garment. We want to make sure that when he bids us to the wedding that we don't make light of it. As these men made light of it. Some went to the field, others to the merchandise. Doing so, they missed the wedding. And, and we even see for a moment a picture of, of Israel as they, they make light of it and they reject him. And, and so he destroys them. He says, he says if they're not going to come, go out to the highways. And, and he begins to gather those that won't be coming. And, and I want to preach on this a little bit tonight. I want to preach on the topic, what the servants knew. If you can set your Bible down for a moment and just reach your hands to the Lord and let's call on him this evening. Lord, we love you. You are merciful. You are good. Lord, we praise you. Have your way in this place. Move on every heart. Speak your word. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. You're so good. be ready when he bids me to the wedding. I don't, I don't want to make light of that invitation. I don't want to be concerned of temporary things that I make light of that which is the ultimate thing. That's an easy thing to do. Uh, it's easy for us to get caught up in in this case, it was the field and the merchandise, but but in a modern day sense, that's getting caught up in our in our work and caught up in our belongings and and, and caught up in our plans and and caught up with with all sorts of other things that we don't concern ourselves of the wedding. And that's a challenging thing when you read it, because. We all at times have, have been distracted by, by things that are temporary and, and we have to shake ourselves and remind ourselves that there's coming a day that he's calling us to a wedding. A marrying of Jesus and his bride, the church. And in his redemption plan, he, he, he wedded his bride but there is a marriage supper that we are being called to. There's a day that he's going to call us back together. And, and, and when we go, when, 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 he, when he comes back for his people, he's coming for a bride that is spotless. He's coming for a bride that has preserved herself. 
and has not given herself to, to other kinsmen, that has not, that has not degenerated and refused to keep herself. She's coming for a bride that is ready. I, I could stop and just preach on that topic tonight. And I've got more to talk about, but but I do want us to I do want to encourage us tonight that that amidst our goings and 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 coming to church and going home and coming to church and going home and coming to church and going home that we we don't forget what this is all about. I I like to have church as much as anyone. I like to shout. I like to jump. I like to sing. I like to dance. I like good preaching. I love when Brother Isaac Sanchez gets on that altar. I like good church. But if all this was about was having good church, I'd be missing something. We've got to remember that the point of good church is the preparation of the bride. And if good church isn't leading me to a place of repentance, then, then it's nothing more than a, a something to do in an evening and fellowship and entertainment. That's not what church is intended for. We're thankful for the fellowship that church brings us. We forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And, and we're thankful for the coming together of the people of God. But we come together for the perfecting of the bride. And, and, and so I, I'm not a consumer Christian. I don't come to church and, and decide what I've got an appetite for tonight. You know, I've really got an appetite tonight for a word of encouragement. And, and tonight it was, a, it was kind of a word of correction. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home kind of upset because I came with an appetite for this and I got that. that that's kind of the case of modern day. Is this okay tonight? I, I know I'm starting off slow, but I think sometimes we just ought to talk a little bit. And, and I think you ought to hear me out. Because we, we, we can yell and scream and I can say a whole lot of nothing. But, but I do feel like the, words get, the Lord has given me a word tonight. And, and, and I, I want to share that with you. So, so it's for the preparation of the bride. And, and the reason we come to church and we worship, the reason we get in these atmospheres, the reason we call on the name of the Lord, the reason that the preached word of God comes forth is for our perfecting. And so the, the state of modern Christianity is, is kind of consumer-oriented. I want it my way. I want it now. I, it's like Subway. I'm going to come in tonight, choose a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, probably not that, get my sub, and I'm out. See you next week. And, and in, in that consumer Christianity, we can forfeit what God's wanting to do in our lives. I, I want the hand of correction in my life. I, I don't want to despise the rebuke of the Lord. When, when I feel the rebuke of the Lord, I, I don't want to reject that and resist that. that. That's not, we get that twisted sometimes, that, that the rebuke of the Lord is something to shy away from. The rebuke of the Lord is what's necessary to save us. And, and if I resist the rebuke of the Lord, I'm not going to be saved. 
And so sometimes I come to church and I'm encouraged. Sometimes I come to church and I pour my heart out and my heart is pricked and I and, and I have to acknowledge some difficult things that need to be changed in my life. But I'm going to despise not the chastising of the Lord. Because the Lord is preparing his bride for a wedding. And, and whatever garments I need to put on in preparation for that, I want to wear those garments. I want to make sure that when I get to that wedding that I've put on love. I want to make sure that I've put on bowels of mercy. I, I want to I make sure that my feet have been shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I, I want to make sure that, that I've got on the, the helmet and I've, I, and I've got the, the, the sword and I, I, I'm, I'm prepared to go to the wedding. And, and there's different accounts in scripture. One is the armor of God and there's other accounts of, of God clothing us, of, of God putting garments on us. And, and this man, he, he goes to the wedding and he, he does not have on a wedding garment. It was an inappropriate attire. Maybe it was casual. Maybe it was, it was not quite right. It was culturally indifferent. He was not prepared to come to the wedding. And, and the question was, how did he even get in here? Because he shouldn't have even been given access to the wedding in the garment that he was wearing. It was an inappropriate attire for a wedding. And, and it can seem a little strange to us. It can actually seem a little bit mean if you don't understand the context of bind him hand and foot and cast him away. I've gone to some events before where I was underdressed. That wasn't the treatment that I got. But this is a lot more than being underdressed. This is a matter of eternity that's being displayed in the story. He had time to prepare. He was bid to come. When he came, he was not prepared. He was not ready. No man knoweth the day nor the hour. And, and I don't want to miss a moment in the house of God that I need to be preparing and putting on the garment and allowing the Lord to cleanse and to purify because that day is coming quick, ladies and gentlemen. And I've not just come to preach hellfire and brimstone tonight, but we ought not to forget that hellfire and brimstone are real. There is a day that God's coming back for his people. Whether or not we had good, exciting, and loud church tonight has nothing to do with my salvation if I don't respond to it. And so I've got to let the Lord work some things out in my spirit. And if I'm not finding an altar of repentance in the house of God, then I'm just attending a nice event. This is a place, that my house is to be called a house of prayer, he said. And so this is a place of communion with God. This is a place of consecration. And if I come in and out of the house of God without connecting with the God of the house of God, I've missed it altogether. We come into the house of God for his rebuke. We come into the house of God for his correction. And we come into the house of God to fall on his mercy. And, and, and I don't mean to preach hard tonight, but, but sometimes I've just got to remind myself what this is all about. This isn't about just apostolic culture and antics and excitement. This is about coming into the presence of the Lord where God can do a work on my spirit that is necessary for me to go to heaven. And if I resist that, I'm going to take myself to hell. 
because I'm resisting the hand of God. I, I'm resisting in doing that, the correction of the Lord. And Israel was resistant to that. They, they, they were resistant. We talked about it a little bit this morning. They were resistant to the hand of the potter. And in that they were resistant to the potter, in that in this case they were resistant as they were bid to the wedding. He, he said, they're not going to come. Go out to the highways. Find those that are broken. Find those that are lame. Find those that are downtrodden. Find those that ordinarily wouldn't be invited to the wedding and bid them to come. In fact, there's an account in Scripture where when they're bid to come, he says, hold on, it's not full yet. Go back out and bring more to come. What a beautiful picture of the church. What a beautiful picture of the New Testament dynamic that, 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 that he bid Gentiles to come to him. And, 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 and when he bid the Gentiles to come, he said, he said the, it's not full yet, but go, go back out to the highways. Here's what we're talking about when we say go to the highways and the byways. We're talking about bidding people to come to the wedding. We're not just going out to the highways and, and the byways to invite people to church, although church is, is, is an injunction. It's, it's a part of, of that process, and, and getting them here is important to getting them there. But, but the whole bidding process is about bidding them to come to the wedding. And, and this is a beautiful picture. It, 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 it can kind of seem strange if you're not looking at it in the context of, 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 of intention of the story, and, and, and when we look at it in its intention, we understand the profound weight that, that this is not just a matter of a wedding. He's not just telling a story for, for our, our convenience, for our entertainment, but, but he's, he's painting a very clear picture that there is a wedding that the people of God have to prepare for, and it is no coincidence that the first miracle of Jesus takes place at a wedding. This is not an accident. There, there, there aren't accidents in Scripture. Is this all right today? The, 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 the Word of God doesn't make mistakes. And so the fact that, that he, does, he starts his ministry at a wedding is, 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 is not by happenstance. In fact, there, there is great significance in this passage of Scripture. And, and if you'll give me a little time tonight, we'll, we'll shout by the end of it. We'll, we'll, we'll have our fun in, in church, but, but I'm not concerned about having fun tonight. I'm concerned about hearing from God and responding to it. If I'm preaching to anybody tonight, I'm preaching to myself to get ready for tonight. And I can put myself in a box tonight and preach to myself all night long till Applebee's closed. So we're going to have church tonight if it's me, myself, and I. Amen. And, and so we find Jesus in John, the second chapter, and, and we find him at a wedding. And if, if you've got your Bible, you can go there with me. And, and here's what it says. And, and the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And, and the mother of Jesus was there, 
both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And and when they wanted wine, the woman, or, or rather the mother of Jesus, saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? That's not a good response to your mother. Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece, 20, 20 to 30 gallons in, in, in each container. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And, and then when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Th- this story... This story has perplexed a lot of people because it is an amazing miracle that, that he turns water to wine. But, but out, of, out of the context, out of the meaning that, that is found in this passage, it can kind of seem like a little bit of a random miracle. In fact, it's easy to skip over, and some people even assume that, that it, was, it was sort of something that wasn't supposed to occur because Jesus responded to his mother and said, woman, my time has not yet come. And and it can kind of seem like, where did that miracle come from? And, and, and was that even was that even supposed to be there? Turning turning water into wine. I, I can understand the opening of the blind eyes. I can un- understand the unstopping of the deaf ears. I can understand the lame walking and and, and I can understand those things, but water to wine seems like an odd place to start the miracles. And while I'd have to agree with you that it can seem that way, what we're reading about is much more profound than, than just this simple transaction of water being turned into wine for the enjoyment of the guests. In fact, the first thing I want to note to you tonight is that it wasn't the first or the second day of the wedding. It was the third day of the wedding. And, and we, don't, we don't skip over details in Scripture. Sometimes those details, those nuggets in Scripture, they, they have a way of, of beginning to show us something that we otherwise might not have known was there. And, and we, we see it in different accounts. We see it. In, in, in Jonah and the whale, we, we see it in other stories, the symbolism of, 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 of varying numbers. And in this case, it's the third day of the wedding. And, and, and the disciples and Jesus are, are called to this marriage. And, and these are nuggets, nuggets that we don't skip over. And, and if you'll follow me for a moment tonight, I, 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 I want to show us maybe what it is that we're reading about. And, and so they're, they're bid to the marriage, and, and they come, 
and, and, and there's a marriage supper that is occurring. And, and when, they, when they realize there is not wine, Jesus' reply to his mother can come across a little rude in that it was, it was completely out of line for, for Jesus in that day to look at his mother and call, call his mother woman. And, and this is another factor in the story that we don't take as coincidence. When you dig into it and begin to understand it, you don't find historical or scriptural accounts of, of, of a man referencing his mother without calling her name. And, 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 and so it's worth taking a pause that it's the third day of the wedding, that they're bid to come, that when there is no wine and he speaks to his mother, he doesn't call her by her name or call her um, mother. He, he calls her by, by woman as, as if he's referencing a greater story and a greater picture. And, 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 and in the same way that, that many times in scripture he speaks he speaks to man. He, he's not speaking to a man. He's speaking to mankind. And, and so when we, when we hear him call his mother woman, it, it, it's worth taking a pause and saying, who is he talking about? And, and, and what is it that we're reading about? And, and then he says something to her. He says, my time is not yet come. And I'm not negating tonight that that phrase can very well be used to say that the time of his ministry had not come. And, and there's certainly relevance in that. But at least two or three other times in Scripture recorded throughout the book of John in the seventh chapter and the second chapter and the eighth chapter, when, when he says, my time has not yet come, it is not in the context of his ministry, it is in the context of his death. And, and so we take note of that. That his reply to his mother is, woman, woman, my time has not yet come. The general assumption of that is that he's saying, my ministry has not yet come. And so because my ministry has not yet come, why are you asking me to do this? And, and I'm not negating that as a possibility tonight. But, but I'm also telling you to take a moment and pause on that. And, and, and we ask ourselves, that in these other accounts he's referring to his death, and, and could it be that that's what he's referring to in this, in this verse? And, and so if, if, if you can watch this picture building and unfolding block by block, I, I know it can be hard to follow, and, and we can easily just quickly skip over it and move on to the next verse and, and find something that's more practical and easy to read. But, but, but I don't want to do that tonight. I, I want to take a moment and zoom in on this passage because it, it's the third day and, and, and he and the disciples are bid to come and, and when they get there, it's a marriage supper and at the marriage supper, there's, there's not wine and when he speaks to his mother, he speaks to his mother as if he's speaking to a, to a, to a greater than his mother, to, to a people, to even somehow it, it, it kind of ties back to, to perhaps even Eve, that, that he's speaking to womankind, and, and he's saying, what have I to do with thee? My, my time is not yet come. And, 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 and maybe even in saying that, speaking of the hour of, of his death, and then in response to her request, he says, do, do whatever he tells you to do. 
And so he, he says to gather, says to the servants, go and gather six logging pots. And again, these numbers and these things can just seem so base and, and insignificant. But I, I propose to you tonight, nothing in Scripture is insignificant. In fact, from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see the idea of, of seven being completion. He, he works six days, and on the seventh day he rests. And, 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 and we see that several other times throughout Scripture. But, but in this case, when he says, go and get the water pots, it's six. It, it's an uncompleted work. It's not a perfected or a fulfilled work. And, and so they go and they, they get the six, the, these six water pots. And, and they, they fill them all the way to the brim. But, but these were not just any ordinary water pots. Anytime the scripture gives us detail, it's worth zooming in and, and finding out what it's speaking of. And, and so it, it doesn't just tell us that these were water pots, but, but it was water after the manner of the purification of the Jews. And, and, and it's worth noting that, that in that day, according to Levitical law, there, these were waters that were used for washing oneself. They, they were waters with the intention of purifying, whether the washing of the hands or, or the purifying of the body. It was, it was used in ceremonial cleansing. It, they didn't go down to the river and just fill pots with water. The, this was a specific body of water, if you will, that, that was being referenced. It, it wasn't just any pots of water, but it was, it was six pots, uh, the six vessels of water after the manner of the purification of the Jews. Water that would have been intended for, 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 for self-purification and, and for preparing oneself before, before, before you would attempt to, to approach the temple. You, 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 you would first want to purify oneself. If somebody had, had recently had a child, these, these waters under, under Levitical law were used to ceremonially purify that person and purify that child. And, 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 and if someone had a skin disease or, or an issue, they, they would go and these were the waters that they would wash in. Sort of an odd water that you want to turn into wine and people drink it. It's kind of odd when you when you skip over it and 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 we can do that tonight. We can skip over it and, and move on to the next verse and, and find something that's easy to read. But but all of this is, is so intentionally and, and intricate it, it, it is intricate and it is detailed and, and, and it's put there for a reason. And, and we're not just gonna we're not just going to run past this situation because, because when, he, when, he, when, he, when he tells them to do that and they gather the vessels, the, the scripture says that as they drew out of the vessels that the water was made wine and, and the governor of the feast that was in charge of, of this, this marriage supper, he, 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 he wasn't aware what Jesus had done. There, there's, there's no scripture that tells us that he observed this process. In fact, there's there's actually scripture that that that, that begins to paint the picture that, that that maybe he didn't even know what it was that he was drinking of. But but when he drinks it, he he stops and he acknowledges that this isn't any ordinary wine. 
it, it made more sense to give everybody the good wine at the start, and then as they become incapacitated, give them the bad wine, they'll never know. That, that made more sense. But the governor perceived in this moment that the, he said, thou hast saved the good wine until right now. And, and so do we, do we skip over it? Do we pass on and move on to the next topic? Or, or do we zoom in and, 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 and ask ourselves, what is it that we're reading about? Is this a happenstance, an oddly detailed miracle of Jesus, or, or is this telling of a greater reality? And, and I want to tell us tonight that this is telling of a greater reality. Any time that we read of the third day in Scripture, we're, we're taken to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're taken to the reality that he rose on the third day. That's not coincidence. You'll find it as a pattern throughout Scripture. And, and so it's the third day of, of a wedding. And, and we read in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, this imagery that Jesus uses of his coming and of the wedding and of the preparation of the bride. And, 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 and so we, 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 we begin to pause on the topic for a moment. And, and, and so it's the third day. And, 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 and that's such a direct reference to the idea that, that Jesus would, would rise on the third day. And, 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 and when he speaks to his, his mother, it, it comes across that he's speaking to some kind of greater purpose. And, and, and she's asking for wine, but he's saying, hold on, my time's not yet come. I, I don't have wine to offer. I, I, I don't have that to give yet. And, 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 and he does it anyway. And, and in this beautiful display, this, this foreshadowing picture... They, they go and they gather six vessels full of water used to purify oneself. And, 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 and as they, they draw out of those vessels full of water, they, the, the water is turned into wine. I, 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 we, we could get lost in the details tonight, but, but I propose to you tonight that the picture that, that the scripture is displaying to us is the idea, you see, that water was used to ceremonially purify oneself. When someone had an infirmity, that was the water that they would go to. When someone needed ritual cleansing, they would go and they would cleanse themselves in that water. And, and so these six pots, this, this uncompleted work, these, these six vessels of, of water used to purify oneself are brought before Jesus. And, 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 and there's this transition that happens in the story that as they draw out what should have been ceremonially purifying water, it, it's not water used to purify oneself and in fact, it's not used to purify oneself at all. It's something that they're going to drink and, and put on the inside. It, it wasn't water. It, it was wine. And, and the picture that we see here is that, is that when we're bid to the marriage supper, that, that, that there's, a, there's, a, there's a transaction that happens in between an Old Testament covenant and a New Testament covenant. You see, under an Old Testament covenant, they, they were required to purify themselves. They, they were required to present themselves before this water for purification. And, and, and as they, 
They use these waters to purify. They, they, they attempt to wash away really what, what was a picture of sin. When they had a skin condition, they would attempt to wash it in that water. When they had been become ceremonially impure, they, they would attempt to wash it in that water. But, but something happens at this marriage supper that it was no longer water intended to wash the outside. But, but it was purifying wine that was intended to be put on the inside. And the only one capable of doing it was not the governor. It was not another person at the wedding. It was Jesus that, that could take water intended for purifying oneself and say, what you need is not water to, to purify yourself, but, but what you need is wine. What you need is my blood that, that is capable of, of cleansing you and purifying you. You, you see, these, this six-vessel dynamic what was an uncompleted work. It, it was a lesser work, but Jesus came to complete the work. Under an Old Testament dynamic, we would go through ritualistic proceedings of, of self-purification. But, but Jesus came that we can have life and, and, and have it more abundantly. Not waters intended to just cleanse and purify the outside, but a precious blood, a, a cleansing blood, a, a purifying blood, a, a wine that we could drink and, and it would cleanse us. It would cleanse us from the inside out. So in this very first miracle of Jesus, as he sets a pace for his ministry, he foreshadows exactly what it was that he came to do. That he would be crucified. And when he was crucified, he would pour out his very own blood. Day one would go by and day two would go by and people would begin to become unsure. What did he come to do? What is it? What is it that's going to happen? They were without hope. But on the third day, on the third day, he, he rose again. And, and when he rises, he, he overcame death. And he overcame hell. And, and he, he overcame the grave. And, and it was on that, that third day that, that they had access to something that they did not have access to under an old covenant. Uh, under an old covenant, they only had ritualistic proceedings of self-purification. But, but on this third day, he, he, he took that water and he gave them his blood. He, he, he took the, 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 the ritualistic self-purification and he said, you don't need that anymore. Take, take my blood. To take this, this bread which is my body and, and this, this cup which is my blood and, and eat it and drink it because you can't purify yourself. You've got to have my blood. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
And so it took the shed and the spotless and the pure and the ever-flowing and the endless blood of Jesus that was capable, the, the blood of Jesus that was able to wash away sin, the, the, the blood of Jesus that was able to do an internal work, the, the blood of Jesus that was able to do much more than just temporary ritual purification, but, but this was a blood that would get down on the inside. This, this was a blood that would purify. This was a blood that would make new. This was a blood that would, that would wash away sin. And so, so they, they, they drink it, and the governor says, hold on a minute. Because it makes more sense for you to have brought the good wine at the start and, and given a lesser wine toward the end. But thou, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're trying to do. This is out of order, out of the ordinary. But, but thou hast saved the best wine for now. And, 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 and that can kind of seem like a strange thing phrase but but the book of Hebrews tells us that it was a it was a better covenant and, and that it was a better promise hallelujah it, it, it was not it was not a lesser covenant or a lesser promise or or some kind of afterthought but but this wine was a better wine that this purifying was a better purification. Tells us, but he hath obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon on better promises. I don't know who you are, but 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 this is odd. You, you brought the best wine out at the end. You, you, this is good wine. This isn't this isn't ordinary wine. This isn't cheap wine. I don't know who you are, but but you've saved the best wine for the last. And and as we see Jesus in, in preparation for his death, he calls them together for this last supper. And 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 and, and he gives thanks and and he he takes this bread and he begins to divide this bread and he, he hands it to them and he says, this is my body. And, 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 and he takes this drink and, and he, he, he gives it to them and he said, this is my blood. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying the cup is the New Testament in my blood, which was shed for you. And, 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 and in obedience to that, as often as we do, we do this in remembrance of him. In obedience to that, we, we, we partake of communion. It is a, it is a remembrance. And, 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 and he never told us how often to do, to do it or to do it often. He, he just told us as often as we do it, to do it in remembrance of him. That, that we would take the bread and, and that bread was his body and, and, and we would take the blood and, or, or the cup and that cup was, was his blood and we, we'd eat it and we'd drink it. And, and if we did not eat it and if we did not drink it, we would have no part in him. And, and while we ought to, 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 to take a moment to consider the weight of that in communion, 
there's also a, a, a weightier matter in, 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 this, in this commandment. We, we, we are obedient in, 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 in doing this, and, and we are obedient in remembering him and, and, and the partaking of the bread and, 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 and taking the cup, which is his blood. But, but, but when, he, when he explains to us that if we do not partake of it, if we do not partake of it, we will have no part with him. We're, 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 we're reminded that, that if the blood of Jesus doesn't get down on the inside of me, if the broken and tattered and beaten body of Jesus isn't laid over the top of my flesh to, to cover my sin, if, 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 the, if, the, if the name of Jesus is not placed upon my life and if the, the washing blood of Jesus in baptism does not wash away my sins, if that does not occur, I, I have no part in him. Hallelujah. Because if I was going to be changed, if I was going to be delivered, if I was going to be set free, it wasn't going to be by my own hand. It wasn't going to be by my own blood. It wasn't going to be by my own ability. I couldn't come up with a, a testament and, 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 and here's how we're going to do it now because, because the scripture says a testament required the death of a testator. And, 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 and so I know these terms and these scriptures can, can become complex. And, 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 and some that are seasoned in the gospel, you, you can quote it left and right and cross-reference it across scripture. And, and maybe others, you're hearing this tonight and trying to conceptualize it. But, but here's what I'm telling us tonight. I'm telling us that we can't be saved without the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I, I can't wash myself with well-doing. I, I can't fix myself with, with good will or discipline. I, I, I can't. I'm too messed up to do it on my own. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. You, you see, my blood bears the record of my sin. Let, let me tell you why, why they couldn't eat certain animals. They, they couldn't eat certain animals because of the things that those animals ate and because of the things those animals did. Well, hold on a minute. Why can't we eat those animals uh, under, under this, this Old Testament covenant? They did it. They ate it. But I'm not doing it or eating it. I'm eating them. And, 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 and the reason is, is because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so in the blood of that animal is, is the total record of everything that that animal has done, everywhere that that animal has been, everything that that animal has eaten, that's in the blood of that animal. And, 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 and my blood is a perfect record of, of every mistake that I've made, every sin I've ever committed. It, the life of my flesh is in the blood. Science has uncovered remnants of it. They say it's DNA and, and it's, it, 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 it records 
life's experiences and can be altered and changed and, and passed down to the next generation. But, but the scripture was way before that. The, the, the scripture told us way back in the beginning that, that this was where the life of the flesh is. And, and, and that's the reason my blood can't save me. My blood's an impure blood. My, my blood has, has, has sin woven into it. My, my blood has failure and fault and heartache and brokenness and, and mistakes. It bears a record of, of everything that I've done wrong. But let me tell you why the blood of Jesus can save me. Because the record of his life is in his blood. He was without sin. And that's in his blood. He overcame death. And that's in his blood. He was led as a lamb under the slaughter and opened up his, not his mouth. That's in his blood. I couldn't have done that. I, I, I was supposed to die that death because of my sin. Because the wage of sin is death. I couldn't die that. My, my death wouldn't have had purpose. The shedding of my blood wouldn't have done anything. It, it could not have atoned for the sins of man because in my blood is corruption and in my, in my blood is error. But in his blood, in his spotless blood, in his cleansing blood, in his precious blood, it's blood that is able to wash and, and blood that is able to deliver and blood that is able to set free. Hallelujah. And when they pierced him in his side, out of his side flowed, flowed blood and water. Why, why blood and water? Is it just strange imagery? Is it just gory for the sake of being gory? It's blood and water because when he was crucified for my sin, everything needed to purify me. Under an Old Testament and a New Testament, every single bit of it was in his blood. Water that can wash me, blood that can cleanse me, a name that can get down on the inside of me. It's in his blood. It's in his blood. It's in his blood. I need the blood of Jesus in my life. I need the washing waters of baptism. I, I need the mercy that is in his blood. I know we can feel like we're too far from God. And I know we can feel like we've made too many mistakes to get right with God. I've got too much in my past. I've got too many things I've done. But this isn't about my life. This is about his life. Because when his blood enters into the inside of me, I, I might as well not be Spencer Jordan anymore. Because it's not my DNA anymore. It, 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 you see, in the blood... There's genetic markers. When I commit, if I were to commit a crime and they got enough blood, they'd, they'd say, okay, I know exactly who did that. Everything here tells me that's his blood. And because that's his blood, we know who's guilty. This is the person. Take him away. But, 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 but in this divine shift, in this moment that, that his blood washes us and, and his blood enters us. It, it, it's, it's 
the very same idea that, that it's no longer my fingerprints on my sin and it's no longer what this man did. Hallelujah. It, it, it's what he did. I, you see, I made mistakes, but he was perfect. I, I've erred, but, but he is holy. I'm not good, but there's none good but God alone. How are we going to get there? We, we read in the Psalms, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who, who shall, who's going to dwell in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, he's not lifted up his soul under, under vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Here's the problem with that. I've sworn deceitfully. Here's the problem with that. I don't have clean hands and a pure heart. So, so, so who's going to ascend unto the hill of the Lord? That's not talking about you. That's not talking about me. That's talking about Jesus. Now, you ask yourself the question tonight, if that's talking about Jesus, then what hope is there for me? How am I going to ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Y'all can be seated for just a minute. How, how, how am I going to get there? And, and we see the same reality in the story of Jacob and Esau. Because Jacob didn't deserve the blessing. Jacob didn't deserve the promise. But his father's vision was dim, and he enters into the, court, the, the courts of his father, and, and he puts on himself skins of animals. It's exactly what they did under an old covenant, is they would sacrifice animals. He covered himself in, in, in coats of skins. And his father reaches over, and he begins to feel his arm, and puts his hand on his face, and he said, hold on a minute. This is Esau. Okay, Esau, I'm going to bless you. And Jacob was blessed in Esau's stead because Jacob was wearing these, these coverings of skin. And because there were coverings of skin, his father believed him to be Esau. Let me tell you tonight the very same thing that's going to happen when we get to, to, to heaven. As many have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. I, I can't get there on my own. In fact, I'm undeserving of it. I'm unworthy of it. I can't fix myself up enough to get it. But when I put on his skins and I put on his name and in my veins is flowing his blood, who shall ascend unto the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. They're going to open up that Lamb's book of life. They're not going to read your name and my name. That, that's a cultural idea. That, that's come out of tradition and, and, and stories that men have made up. Okay, you're on the list, you're not on the list. You're on the list, you're not on the list. You're, whose book of life is it? It's the Lamb's book of life. It's the record of the life that he lived. It's the record of the life that he died. It's the record.
anchor that he rose again. And when that book is opened up, they're going to see not my story, but they're going to see his story. And the name that they're going to read is not my name. The name that they're going to read is his name. And they're going to stand at that gate and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you have the name of Jesus on your life? Jesus. My name can't save me. My name can't do it. But the precious name of Jesus can save me, can cleanse me. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, let me tell you why you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You're not going to get there on your own. My name's not going to get me there. My life's not going to get me there. My works are not going to get me there. But the name and the covering and the blood of Jesus is going to get me there. I can't afford to walk through this life masquerading as something that I'm not. We can pretty it up and polish it up and put lipstick on a pig, but at the end of the day, I'm a sinner, and there's none good but God alone, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm unworthy. I'm undeserving. I've sinned and fallen short, but he is worthy. I wonder if you'd stand across the room in this place. God's wanting to fill some people with the Spirit. He's wanting to remind us of the necessity of His blood. If you've never been baptized in the waters, what doth hinder thee? I got to have the name on my life. Come on, I wonder if right now you'd lift your hands across this room. Lord, I need your blood. Lord, I need your mercy. I'm undeserving of it. You don't owe anything to me. But you're merciful. And you're good. And you're kind. The old means got to die so that he can live. If I've not been crucified with Christ, I'm not going to be risen with Christ. And if I do everything in my flesh to, 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 to keep this mortal body alive and to keep this filthy flesh alive, I'm going to miss it. But I've got to have his life. I, I've got to have the life that he lived. In fact, I've got to crucify this old life. How am I going to crucify this old life? I'm going to crucify it with the lust and the affections thereof. I've got to do away with sin in my heart. I've got to repent till I've spoke with tongues and been filled with the Spirit. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but if it's been one, two, three, four, five years since you've spoken tongues, you need to get the Spirit of God in your heart. My spirit's not going to get me there. 
Well, I, I don't understand because I come to church and I pray and it just doesn't happen. Pray until it happens. How long has it been since we've become desperate? How, how long has it been since we've tarried on a move of God? We could shout. We could shout and jump and dance around. But I've come to tell somebody that we need the blood of Jesus. I, I'm glad you're shouting, but I've not come to make you shout tonight. I'm glad we're excited to jump around and dance and run the aisles and sing. But I'm not here to jump around, dance, and run the aisles and go to hell. I've got to get this heart right with God. So we're not going to move into a time of running aisles and jumping pews. We're going to move into a time of saying, God, I've sinned. God, I've fallen short. And I'm going to seek you till you change something on the inside of me. Come on, how long's it been? How long's it been since I prayed till God did a work? Since I've cried and called on his name until I poured out my spirit before the Lord. sorrow had not received the promise of God and the blessing of a child that, that she had felt she was promised and in her great sorrow she cries and the, the scripture says that that it's not words that come out of her mouth but her, her lips stammer and, and the man there with her looks at her and he says what is wrong with you you're drunk. You're full of wine. And she answered that man and she said, I'm not drunk. I've poured out my, 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 my soul before the Lord. If you can see that, you can see for these are not drunk as ye suppose. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm not just praying until I speak with tongues. I'm going to speak with tongues when I pour my heart out before the Lord. So we're not focusing on the shout tonight. We're not even focusing on the tongue tonight. I'm focusing on pouring my heart out. And when my heart's poured out, I'll speak with tongues. When my heart is poured out, it'll be evidenced by stammering lips. I wonder if right now across this place, if you'd find a place to say, God, I've got to get serious with you. You're coming back. You're coming for a bride that is ready. And I can't afford not to be ready. Come on, let's not just stand by tonight and go through the motions. Why don't you find a place? Maybe it's on your knees at a pew. Maybe it's with lifted hands in the altar. But find a place that we can get our heart right with God. I need you, Jesus. I can't be saved without you, Jesus. Come on, find that place right now. Don't forfeit what God's doing in this house. God wants to cleanse somebody. God wants to make somebody new. Come on, let's call on his name tonight. Don't leave here going through the motions. Leave here when you poured your soul out before the Lord. <laughs>